Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles, and this is your weekly update. It's Monday, November 20th, Thanksgiving week. Let's start with what you missed over the last week, then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. So just when you thought sports were probably going to take a pause for the holidays, you would be wrong because we've got a lot of stuff to go over, starting with actually some MLB news because we have announced the year-end awards for the entire season. Starting with the Cy Young Awards, they went out to Padres pitcher Blake Snell, who won it for the National League, while Yankees pitcher Garrett Cole won it for the American. Snell is the seventh player to win the Cy Young Award in each league. He previously won the award with the Rays in 2018. Cole won his breakthrough Cy Young Award after coming in second twice and top five three other times. Cole is the first Yankee to win since Roger Clemens in 2001. Also, to I'm sure no one's surprise, Angels star Shohei Otani won the American League MVP. And then Braves right fielder Ronald Acuna Jr. won for the National League. Sohai won the MVP award unanimously for the second time. And Acuna Jr. beat out Mookie Betts, who was unanimously second. They were first and second on every ballot. Also, the MLB owners have voted and green-lighted that the Oakland A's can move to Las Vegas. It is It was a unanimous vote, but that doesn't mean the move is final. It just means they're one step closer, and it's a big step that they had to change, that they had to get that. Moving along to the NBA, and we've got some highlights from the week that was, starting with Damian Lillard went off in the Bucks game versus the Raptors, scoring 37 points by himself. The Milwaukee team won that game 128 to 112. Then, Lon- uh, then Ball did the same thing, putting up that many points on the Bucks team on Friday, but they still beat the Hornets after all of that. And then sticking with the Bucks, Giannis put up the most points he has all season so far with 40 points against the Mavs. Good thing, too, because Luka Doncic put up 35, and it was a close game with the Bucks winning 132 over the Mavs 125. LeBron may have had a triple-double, but the Kings still won in their game against the Lakers on Wednesday, 125-110. to This was LeBron's 108th career double. On Friday, LeBron put up 35 points to help the Lakers beat the Trailblazers to get back above 500. So that's nice. Hopefully they won't dip below the losing into the losing record anymore. Hornets forward Miles Bridge came back after 583 days of suspension on Friday. That was the game versus the Bucks. Bridge was out last year and then 10 games this year for being in a domestic violence case. He did return in that game on Friday, scoring 17 points in 33 minutes of game time. Kind of not a great look that the um, Hornets fans had a standing ovation for him coming back into the game, but I digress. And then San Antonio Spurs star Webby became just the third teenager in NBA history to put up eight blocks in a single game. San Antonio did still lose that game to the Grizzlies 120 to 108 on Saturday. The Pistons also lost their game on Sunday, which makes it 11 straight losses for that team. Yikes. The Celtics, Timberwolves, and Nuggets are all still undefeated at home. The Rockets and the Clippers are winless on the road. But what can be as bad as that? Well, the Grizzlies, who are winless at home. How bad is that? 
And then this next story needed its own headlines. So Draymond Green has been suspended for five games after a fight broke out in the Warriors-Timberwolves game on Tuesday. We literally had not even put points on the board yet before the fight broke out just two minutes into the game. The scuffle actually started between Clay Thompson and Jaden McDaniels. Then Green put Ruby Gobert in a headlock. Three players were ejected from the game. Green was suspended for five games due to this being his fifth suspension, or at least that was the general thought behind that, which means he will lose out on $800,000 of pay. The last time he was suspended was after he stomped on the chest of a Kings player in playoffs in April. The Warriors did lose that game and are now 6-6. Six and six. Honestly, I was like, oh, five-game suspension makes total sense. But as I went back and saw some of the dirty hits that Draymond has done over the years, probably wasn't enough time in my opinion. Also, kind of along those same lines, Clippers' Paul George was only fined about $35,000 for criticizing the officiating during the game against the Nuggets on Thursday. He said that the Clippers were playing against three extra players, meaning the refs. Tame when you compare that to what Draymond just did. And then you know it wouldn't be basketball season if we didn't talk about something stupid that the Grizzlies star Ja Morant did. Here is the latest for Ja. He allegedly punched a kid during a pickup game of basketball after he got hit in the chin with the ball. His lawyers will use self-defense, but still, talk about idiotic. And then still sticking with that, talking about stupid, <laughs> LaMelo Ball had to cover up his LF tattoo that is behind his, his left ear. That is because it violates the NBA policy of no commercial logos on players' bodies. La France, which is what that LF tattoo stands for, is Ball's middle name as well as being his own clothing brand. So now it actually violates that NBA policy. Kind of dumb, in my opinion. Moving along to NCAA basketball with some college basketball updates. And Monday, we only had one upset with number 21 Villanova getting beat by UPenn, 76 to 72. Penn fans stormed the court after that W. Tuesday, we had a number of ranked matchups. So we, including starting with the basketball blue bloods, number one, Kansas took on number 17, Kentucky. The Wildcats started off hot, scoring 48 points in the first half to taking the lead into halftime, but then it flipped and the Jayhawks put up 48 to win by four. Following that, number mark four, Marquette beat number 23, Illinois, in the Gravit tip-off games by seven. And then other blue blood, number nine, Duke, beat number 18, Michigan State, who had a bad first half, only putting up 20 points as a team. The only other headline from Tuesday was that number 16, USC, was upset by UC Irvine by 10 points. Their leading guard put up 25 points alone. Then we would make it all the way to Friday without an upset. And then the number 14 Razorbacks lost despite a 48-point second half. That should tell you how badly the beginning of the game went. UNCG gets the big upset there. Saturday, we only had two ranked teams in action, but we had a Big Ten upset with number 10 FAU by Bryant. Bet you can't tell me their mascot because you know I couldn't, but it's the Bryant Bulldogs, just as an FYI. Also exciting news for USC, despite getting upset this week, Bronny James did pregame warmups for the first time all season after his heart episode, so we might get to see him soon. 
Moving along to college football. We're going to start, as we always do, with the top 25 losses. It was a crazy matchup in the Pac-12 with number five Washington taking on number 11 Oregon State in a wet and wild game in Corvallis. Washington was done scoring in the first half, putting up 22 points, but that was all that was needed for the Huskies to beat the Beavs 22 to 20. And with that W, they solidify their spot in the Pac-12 championship game. Number one, Georgia handled number 18, Tennessee, with ease, winning 38 to 10. And that was after taking their foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. Unranked Clemson took on newly re-ranked number 20, UNC. This game was usually crazy, going into multiple overtimes and highly an offensive game. This year, we got an offensively tame game. Even though the Tar Heels drew first blood, Clemson pulled away in the third quarter. Dabo gets another win, 31 to 20. Number 17, Arizona is on a roll, and they destroyed number 22, Utah, 42 to 18. It was never a sweat for the Wildcats, who put up 21 points in the first quarter alone. And then number 25, Kansas, was without their starting and backup quarterback again this weekend in the Sunflower Showdown. They put up a good fight, though, but number 21, K-State, came back from an 11-point deficit to win 31-27. And then undefeated but unranked because of their whole situation with the fact that they're not eligible for a bowl game. So that is why you don't see them ranked, but they are still or were still undefeated. And that should be of you a little bit of a Freudian slip there because JMU was game day this weekend and it was a wild game, weird game to say the least. The score was five to three at one point, looking like a soccer score there. JMU trailed 17 to five in the third quarter before crawling their way back to score and tie the game with 57 seconds left. You thought that might be it. So we head to overtime. JMU gets a field goal and just prays that's going to be enough. But then App State ran the ball in and fumbled the ball, but the player had already crossed the goal line. And so thus ending JMU's perfect undefeated season. Other major headlines for the weekend. Number two, Michigan gets their 1,000th win in program history, although it was a close one. We knew this had to happen at some point that they would have a close game. I just assumed it would be this next week. Michigan went up early on Maryland 23-10 at half, but Maryland rallied in the third quarter to bring the game within three to start the fourth quarter. But then the Wolverine defense showed up and showed out. The only point scored in that quarter was a Michigan safety. Michigan escapes 31-24. Number four, Florida State did not lose their game to North to North Alabama, although they were trailing 13-0 in the first quarter. They did, however, lose their Heisman candidate quarterback Jordan Travis on this nasty play you know I got you the link in the blog the girlfriend's guide to sports and his ankle leg I don't even know I can't really look at the video because it's so cringy he is officially done with his college career which is super sad as it is clearly broken you can see it in the video TBD if that will hurt the Knowles playoff chances however Sticking in the state of Florida, the Florida versus number nine Mizzou game was back and forth. It was just an overall great entertaining game. Florida scored the go-ahead touchdown with a minute 36 on the clock but and to go up by one. Mizzou then traveled the length of the field 
in that time to go down to the Florida 13 before the thicker kicker. If you remember when they had the 61-yard field goal to beat K-State earlier this year, longest field goal in SEC history. The thicker kicker came out and just had a chip shot of a 30-yard field goal to win. Obviously, he nails it. And frankly, the Gator defense was absolutely non-existent on that last drive to get them to that chip shot for 30 yards. Number 10, Louisville had their hands full with Miami and the cards needed this W to get their spot in the ACC championship game. It was back and forth so much so that the win probability chart changes teams 22 times. Yes, I counted. Miami tied it back up with 534 to go in the game. Louisville only needed three plays, though, to go 75 yards to score the go-ahead touchdown. But Miami then got the ball back and was driving down the field. As time expired, the Canes went for the Hail Mary and got it, but it was short of the goal line. So Louisville escapes. Then moving on with number seven, Texas gets out of Ames at a close game against the Cyclones. The Horns scored 18 points in the second half to win by 10. Number 14, Oklahoma needed the 100-yard pick six to escape from BYU on their backup quarterback for their debut trip to Provo. Yikes, not a good look. Number 16, Iowa only put up 15 points, but surprise, that was enough to beat Illinois by two. That puts them in the Big Ten championship game, by the way. Number 19, Notre Dame played Wake Forest. You're like, cool. Thanks, Claire. I don't care. But Notre Dame quarterback Sam Hartman does, as this was his old team. They win Notre Dame. They win big 45 to 7, and it was the 500th game played at Notre Dame. On Friday in the Pac-12, Washington State put up 42 unanswered points to beat Colorado and Deion Sanders 56 to 14. Duke fell to UVA this weekend, who is now 3-8 and eight this season, but has won their last six straight home games against Duke. Quite a bad way to end the season for a Duke team who started out so promising and ranked. They play Pitt to round it out for the year, so hopefully they can end on a W. The Blue Devils will make a bowl game, though, this year, as they do have six wins. But by far. The worst loss of the weekend was Auburn, who paid New Mexico State $1.8 million to come to Alabama to play them. The Aggies were 25.5 point underdogs, and they beat Auburn. And we're not talking like squeaked by fluky win either. New Mexico State won 31 to 10 with no turnovers against Auburn. Yikes. And then also just a little bit of trivia. The oldest rivalry, Lafayette versus Lehigh, was this weekend with Lafayette winning. And then Harvard played Yale, was also in action this weekend. So another old rivalry. Yale won, which means there was a three-way tie for the Ivy League, Dartmouth being the other school there. Also, just some conference title games have been decided. The SEC will be a rematch of Bama versus Georgia. Florida State will now play Louisville in the ACC championship game sans Jordan Travis. Washington will play either Oregon or Arizona at this rate. Oregon will play Oregon State this weekend in the Civil War. Good Lord, this is why you should hate divisions. Iowa will play the winner of Ohio State-Michigan. And then the Big 12 is all over the place with four teams still being in the running. Texas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma all in action this weekend, all to determine who goes to the Big 12 championship game. 
moral of the story is if Texas and Oklahoma State win, they kind of control their own destiny. Otherwise, it gets really complicated. Moving along to the NFL. First of all, I have to add another walk-off field goal win to last week's record. So that now sits at six walk-off field goals after Monday Night Football was also the same situation. So, but moving along to this weekend, eight games were determined by a touchdown or less. But let's start with the not close games. The Ravens versus the Bengals game was a good one until about halftime when Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow went out with a wrist injury and is now out for the season. The Bengals had a had been on a hot streak with him lately after a slow start to the season. The Ravens put them away though 34 to 20. The Giants came back scoring 17 points in the fourth quarter, including a pick six to beat the Commanders 31 to 19. The Cowboys were never really in danger in their game versus the Panthers. They won 33 to 10. The Titans only put up 14 points in the second half to make their game look better than it was originally. They lost to the Jags 34 14. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy threw three touchdowns and 300 for 333 yards to beat the Bucks by 13. Enough threes in that for you? And then the Jets only put up six points in the entire game versus the Bills, losing 32 to 6. We did have some close games, though, and some comebacks. The Cardinals came out hot with Kyler Murray back putting up 10 points in the first quarter alone, but the Texans rallied in the second quarter to win 21-16, and that was with no scoring in the second half, and their quarterback had three interceptions, and they still won the game. The Rams came back to win against the Seahawks, scoring 10 points to end the game, winning by one. Doesn't hurt that the Seattle team missed a game-winning field goal from 55 yards. The Broncos are now at 500 for the season after they beat the Vikings. They had a score. They had to score 12 points in the final quarter to manage it, but they got there. And then we had some super close games. DTR made his rookie appearance for the Browns. And not only that, but he gets a W, beating the Steelers on a game-winning field goal with just two seconds left. The Lions also put away the Bears, but not in dominant fashion as it should have been for an 8-2 and two team. That's because their quarterback, Goff, had three interceptions. The Detroit team was trailing 26-14 with just Four minutes to go in the game. The Lions then went 75 yards in six plays and just a minute 16 for a touchdown. The Bears then went three and out. The Lions get the ball back with about two and change left. They score another touchdown and a two-point conversion with 29 seconds left to go. They go up by two. And then to add insult to injury, the Bears get a safety. All of that to end the game. And then tonight is Monday Night Football, and it is a Super Bowl rematch. It is just the ninth time in NFL history that the two teams that played in the Super Bowl meet in the regular season. Tonight is the Chiefs versus the Eagles. It's also the Kelsey face-off with brothers Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs and Jason Kelsey on the Eagles matching up again for another game. Their poor mother. But don't feel too bad for her as they Kelsey parents are also meeting the Swifts this weekend or this or tonight in the Monday night football game. So they are now there will be a lot of Swifts in attendance, which only bodes well for the Chiefs. Moving along to golf, and there was actually quite a bit of news this week in the golf world. 
because this one's a little bit of Formula One and a little bit of golf. The Netflix Cup streamed on November 14th. This was a combination between Formula One drivers and PGA Tour golfers. Since Formula One drivers were already in Vegas, that's where the event took place. It was an eight holes of match play. Then the competition was cut in half. So the four teams went down to two. That left Justin Thomas and Carlos Sainz team versus Tony Finau and Pierre Gasly to play in a closest to the pin competition. This whole thing was more of a funny, silly, entertaining combo with golf and Formula One. Prime example being that all four golfers teed off at the same time and then raced their golf carts in on hole one, literally racing to the finish the hole. Justin Thomas and Carlos Sainz were victorious with JT drinking from the Netflix cup, then passed it to Sainz, who proceeded to drop the trophy and it broke. Whoops. Also important to note that this was Netflix's first live sporting event ever on the platform. Next, Texas Tech Red Raider had a great end to his year with the pinnacle being his first PGA Tour title that he won this weekend at the RSM Classic. Ludwig Alberg finished the weekend 61-61, tying the PGA Tour 72-hole record of 253, also held by Justin Thomas, which was set at the 2017 Sony Open. Ludwig won over Mackenzie Hughes by four strokes. Also, bad news for those of you who are looking forward to the TGL Golf Simulator League. Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy's new league that they were going to debut in 2024. They literally were planning on starting that January 9th and then ending before the Masters. That has now been delayed until 2025 due to damages caused in the Florida venue. Basically, the roof collapsed. Only makes sense that now I go to Formula One, right? So Formula One was in Las Vegas. It debuted this week. Technically, Formula One has been in Vegas before. It was 40 years ago, but a lot has changed since then. So I basically say debuted. It started with some drama on day one and practice one. Ferrari's Carlos Sainz ran over a loose drain cover. So that brought out the red flag and stopped the practice just nine minutes after the start. Plenty of racers were already starting to complain about how the Vegas round is more of a show than the quality of racing. Also, to make matters worse, Sainz was later given a grid penalty for repairing his Formula One car after the drain cover debacle. The problem is that the drivers are only allowed two fuel cells per year, and now with those repairs that were needed to be done, Sainz was on his third. He was given a 10-spot grid penalty, so that sucks. Ultimately, despite the early drama, kind of no surprise, Red Bulls for stopping won the race. Verstappen led at the beginning of the race, but then got a penalty and then had to repass Leclerc with just 13 laps left. It was kind of annoying because then Verstappen had been complaining all week and consistently about this Grand Prix. And then he turns out after he wins, he loves it. Shocker. Finally, with some Olympic news, there was a arrest in the killing of Anna Mo Wilson. Caitlin Armstrong was found guilty after just three hours of jury deliberation in the killing of Anna Mo Wilson. She was a rising professional cyclist. Armstrong shot Will Wilson in 2022 because she believed that Wilson was involved with her boyfriend. They had previously dated, but it was found that she, that she being Wilson, had swam and eaten with the man earlier that day that she was killed. Armstrong then fled to Costa Rica and changed her appearance like plastic surgery changed her appearance and was still captured after just 43 days. Armstrong is sentenced to 90 years in prison for her murder. 
And then number one, UNC Tar Heel women won their second straight field hockey national championship over number two, Northwestern in a shootout. This one is significant as they have the youngest head coach of any sport in NCAA history with Erin Matson at the age of just 23. She was actually on the team last year and was hired just weeks after she was done playing her own career there. She took over the coaching job from retired coaching great Karen Shelton. So way to break that glass ceiling. That is what happened over the last week. Told you there was a lot going on. So now let's go over what to watch this upcoming week when your bellies are all full of turkey and you're trying to get away from your family. On starting with the NBA Tuesday, the Cavaliers at the 76ers at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Jazz at the Lakers at 9. Wednesday, the Bucks at the Celtics at 6.30 on ESPN, followed by the Warriors at the Suns at 9. No games are scheduled on Thursday. But Friday, the Heat take on the Knicks at 6.30 on ESPN, and then the Spurs take on the Warriors at 9 in a star-studded game. That will also be on ESPN. In some NCAA men's basketball kind of standouts this week, only ranked versus ranked matchups are today in the Maui Invitational. Number two, Purdue at number 11, Gonzaga at 4 o'clock on ESPN2, followed by number five, UConn at 19, Texas at 6 on ESPNU. Then we don't get another ranked game till Thursday in the Acrisure Classic, number three, Arizona at number 18, Michigan State. They play at 3 o'clock, and that will be on Fox. There will be some TBD games for the Emerald Coast Classic, the Acrisure Invitational, and then the Baja Mars Hoops Tournament. All of those will be TBD, but they are on the website, and then they'll be updated on ESPN later. Also, in women's basketball, ranked first ranked games on Thursday, number 20, Maryland at number 24, Washington State at 10 a.m., then number 15, Tennessee at 18, Indiana at 5 on Fox Sports 1. Then number eight takes on UConn, number eight UConn at number three UCLA on Friday. They play at 6.30. And then on Saturday, get two back-to-back. Number five, Colorado at number 14, NC State. They play at noon on ESPN+. And number 15, Tennessee has a tough week. They take on another ranked team, number 25, Oklahoma at 12.30. For NCAA football, Number on, we're going to start with Tuesday. College football playoff rankings come out at six on ESPN if you want to watch those. Then I have top games of the week for week 13. Number 20, Iowa takes on Nebraska and Friday at 11 a.m. on CBS. Iowa's only favored, actually, Nebraska is favored, excuse me, by a point and a half. So we'll see if Iowa deserves to be in that Big Ten championship game, although it's solidified already, so it doesn't matter. Then in the Civil War, number 15, Oregon State takes on number 6, Oregon. They will play Friday at 7.30 p.m. on Fox. Oregon favored by 13 and a half. UTSA takes on number 18, Tulane, also Friday at 2.30 p.m. on ABC. Tulane favored by 3. Sorry, that was out of order. Number, and then finally the game day game and the game we have been looking forward to in the Big Ten Two undefeated teams matched up. Number two, Ohio State travels to number three, Michigan, without Jim Harbaugh. That will be Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on Fox. Michigan is favored by three and a half. Then Washington State plays at number four, Washington, on Saturday at 3 p.m. on Fox. Washington favored by 16 and a half. And then Florida State, number five, without Jordan Travis, takes on Florida on Saturday at 6 that will be on ESPN, Florida State, favored by six and a half. 
in the NFL tonight. Like I said, Super Bowl rematch, Eagles at the Chiefs at 7.15. Then on Thursday, we always have the Lions playing. So the Packers at the Lions at 11.30 a.m. on Fox after the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day Parade. Then the Commanders take on the Cowboys at 3.30 on CBS, followed by the 49ers at the Seahawks at 7.20 on NBC. Also, pretty sure Prime got mad that they lost their Thursday slot, so they took a Friday slot. The Dolphins will play at the Jets at 2. That will be on Prime. And then on Sunday, we have six games at noon on CBS or Fox. CBS games are the Steelers at the Bengals, the Bucks at the Colts, and the Jags at the Texans. And then the Fox games are the Saints at the Falcons, the Panthers at the Titans, and the Patriots at the Giants. Then at 3.05 on Fox, either catch the Browns at the Broncos or the Rams at the Cardinals. And then at 3.25 on CBS, the Chiefs at the Raiders or the Bills at the Eagles. Hey, funny, the Chiefs and the Eagles both play at that time on that same channel. Sunday Night Football will be Ravens at the Chargers at 7.20 on NBC. And a week from today, the Bears take on the Vikings in Monday Night Football at 7.15 on ABC or ESPN. There is actually no PGA Tour tournament this week. Only four games for the NHL televised. Celtics at the Panthers at 6 on TNT, followed by the Golden Knights at the Stars at 8.30 on TNT on Wednesday. On Friday, the Penguins take on the Sabres at 5 on TNT, followed by the Avalanche at the Wild at 7.30. And then the only other thing is the motorsports this week. Sunday, there will be the Formula One Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. That will be at 7 a.m. on ESPN. That wraps it up for me this week. I will say I usually don't cut as many stories as I did this time, but I didn't want to make it too long of a weekly update. So check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more stories, games, and times. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family. I will catch you next Monday for the weekly update.